Gethsemane, you will live also. Amen. From John 14, 9, Jesus said, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. And the world does not see him. He's not lying. If you're in the world, you don't see Jesus. You don't have a clue who he is. That's just some name a bunch of wacko Christians put up. A bunch of foolish Christians. Crazy people. They're the only ones that see Jesus. But Jesus tells his disciples, the world's not going to see me. But you will see me. But you will see me. Because I live. You will also live. So the question just becomes, really, do you see him or don't you? Because if you don't see Jesus, then first of all, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're not a believer. You're not a follower. Or do you see him? Because he lives. You're going to live. God created the first man. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. But he also breathed into man. God's breath. God's breath. So everyone now that commits their life to Christ has the breath of God within them. The life that comes from God is eternal. It's eternal life. Your body's going to fall apart and I'm a perfect witness to that. Your body's just going to fall apart. You're just going to start putting pieces in the junkyard and die and run away. But your spirit is going to live eternally in the house of the Lord. You have a place for all eternity. God breathed his own life into man. That's why human life is different than the life of plants or animals. We have a spirit. I don't want to bring up something morbid, but if you've ever seen a person die, they go, and they're gone, and it becomes just a shell, and it becomes very apparent that it's just a shell. But there's also like a spirit leaving. You can actually almost see the spirit go. We are spiritual beings. The body will die. But you know what? Even if that's going to get raised again, you're going to get a glorified body. Jesus died on the cross. His body truly died. 
he was truly buried, but his spirit was not there. It says in Luke, he committed his spirit to the Father's hand. Are we committed ourselves to the Father? Have we committed ourselves to Jesus? Or do we just call upon him when we need him? When we think he's going to answer us? This is where you're going to hear those words, get away from me. I don't know who you are. Like any father, if you have no relationship, he's not going to know who you are. If you haven't committed to him. Jesus told the disciples, I will not leave you orphans. And Jesus didn't leave them orphans. He gave him the Holy Spirit. Because I live. You will live also. Jesus tells them in John 14, 25, these things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. Because as Jesus said, I don't have time to teach you everything that you're going to need to know. And everything that we read in Scripture becomes alive to us through the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God speaks to us and gives us revelation. Amen. You know, as I was researching this, I came across the thing they called victory classes. Now, they had these victory classes back in the 1870s. I don't know if any of you were there or went to them. But these victory classes, they were radical. They were revival-style camp meetings. They lasted for hours, sometimes days, of just worshiping and praising God. And you know, if you're worshiping and you're praising God in the spirit, after an hour, you are just drained because the anointing will just take everything out of you. And these things just went on and on. They spoke in the spirit. They prayed in the spirit. You're going to like this, and this is something we're going to change. It said the preaching will last for hours. So get ready. We'll try to dismiss you by midnight. <laughs> they serve communion all the time. But it was written that they had people that were shouting and dancing and falling out. It happened all the time in the sanctuary. But then what happened? The same thing that happens today. The cultural community gets away from that. Churches have gotten away from the Holy Spirit. 
Churches have actually kicked the Holy Spirit out. They've closed it. They don't allow it into its sanctuaries. Can you imagine that? A house of God with no spirit of God in it? Talk about a dead church. The Holy Spirit intended for us to have an optional activity like the days of Pentecost. Those kind of days should be normal. They should not be something rare. They should be normal. Normally, you should be shouting and praising God, speaking in tongues, praying, worshiping him. Praying. I mean, you need to have a prayer closet. You don't have one, get one. Make one. Make a little space somewhere in your house where you can just get along with God Amen. and spend some time with him. He loves you so much. I mean, he really loves you. Each and every one of you. I mean, can you imagine you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. And you have one of those dwelling within you. You have a person of the Godhead that dwells inside of you. God is inside of you. Think about that. The Holy Spirit is nothing new. In Genesis 1 verse 2, it hovered above the waters. In Psalm 51, David pleaded with God. Don't take the spirit away from me. Don't take the spirit away from me. In Micah 3.8, the prophet proclaimed that he was filled with the power of the spirit. He had the power, and you know if you've had the power of the Holy Spirit coming over you, anointing you, baptizing you for one reason or another, just fueling you up for an activity. You know what it is to work under the power of the Holy Spirit. It is life-changing. In Matthew 1, verse 18, the Holy Spirit went into the baby-making business. When he got with Mary, he turned her into a mother. In Luke 3.16, John the Baptist tells the world that he baptizes with water. But there's another one coming, and he's going to baptize you with the Spirit. Yeah, you may get baptized in water, but there's somebody coming, and he's going to baptize you with the Spirit. And Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. In Luke 3, 22, the Spirit descended on Jesus like a dove. And we all know what God said. The Spirit can be so much more than what you allow him to be. 
Your time with God can be so much more than you let it be. I mean, the culture tells you not to get involved with God. There is no God. You're going to die. You're just going to rot, and that's the end of it. What a dismal thing. Even the world knows we're spiritual beings. Even the devil knows that. So here you have God dwelling within you. Someone to advocate when you've sinned. Someone you can call upon that will have the Father forgive your sin. Someone that will help you in that time of need when you need to make a decision. A decision that could be totally life-changing in your life. And you don't know who to call upon, but yet you have the Creator, the Spirit of the Creator dwelling within you. But no, you'll call up your best friend who's been divorced three times, bankrupt a few times, and you'll say, hey, what do you think? And you'll take their advice. Somebody needs to slap you. And then he says he's going to send you a comforter. Because there's times when any one of us, each and every one of us go through struggles and pain and grief. And we're sorrowful and we're dismayed and we're confused. And God says, huh, my spirit's in you. He's there to comfort you, bring you peace, bring you joy, bring you contentment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. But again, we're going to call up that friend. Say, oh, this bad thing happened. And they'll tell you, oh, it's happened to me three or four times. You'll get, you'll get through it. Drink a few bottles of wine. You know, go punch somebody in the nose. You'll feel better. No. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. God is there. he lives, you're going to live. Because he lives, you are going to live. He's never going to leave you alone if you let him. If you let him, if, I mean, if you kick him out of your body, he's, he's going to leave you alone. But otherwise, he's not. He's there to fulfill. He's there to teach you. He's there to guide you. He's there to comfort you, to bring you joy. I mean, this society, we're so, we're so afraid to be alone, we've invented all kinds of gizmos and gadgets. We've got screens we give our kids. That's our new babysitter. Here you go. This will babysit you. I can go off and do what I want. That's not working out too well. Because children are watching things they shouldn't be watching. And you're not there to guide them. You're not there to help them. 
Jesus told the disciples, hey, even though I'm leaving, I'm sending someone that is going to be so much better for you. So much better for you. He's never going to leave you. He's always going to be there for you. Jesus says, because I'm going to continue to live, and I want to make sure you live also. I want to make sure you live also. Then Jesus goes on, he says, well, if anybody loves me, and you all claim to love him, they will keep my word. And my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Can you imagine that? Jesus is going to make a home for you. He tells us in scripture he's preparing a mansion for you. Not just a house. Not just a condo. Not just an apartment. No, a mansion. Now, I don't know, but I can only imagine a mansion made by the creator. I mean, he's got all kinds of things at his disposal. I mean, you've probably got solid gold faucets, sapphire floors, emerald walls. I mean, why not? He created all that. Everyone that believes found forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He paid the debt for our sins. Your sins, my sins. Jesus paid that debt. And you were forgiven. And what did God say? I'll remember your sins no more. No more. That sin you committed yesterday, he already forgot. That one you did this morning on the way here, when that person cut you off coming to church, <laughs> he forgave you for that. During those ups and downs, when we're in those valleys, we have the Holy Spirit. And just like Abraham, just like Moses, just like Peter, just like Paul. We are God's chosen people. people tells, Peter tells us, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. His own special people. Now you guys that got friends, you got what you call your BFFs, well, I think being special by God is a little bit above that. <laughs> Just a little. You're God's own special people. Amen. And God's going to use you. He says that you may proclaim praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people but now are a people of God who obtained mercy. 
You had no mercy. But now you've got mercy. God has taken everything. God has called you out. This means the person that scrubs the toilets is the same as, in God's eyes, as the leader of the church, the greeter at the door, as is called out and is chosen as the man in the pulpit. The person sitting next to you is just as chosen and called as you are. Keep unity with the Holy Spirit. Keep that bond of peace. There is one body, there is one spirit. You were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all is over it all. It is the spirit of Christ. And he gave some to be apostles. Some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, preachers, some to be uh, teachers. But he's called some of you to be this, some to be a nurse, some to be a doctor, some to be an accountant. Because God needs all those people. He needs each and every one of you. And there's times that God's going to call you. And he's going to tell you while you're walking down the aisle at Walmart to go over and pray with that person. He's going to call you to do that. And you can't say no. You might say no. (laughs) But in God's eyes, you shouldn't because you missed something. He might not call you again. He sets up these divine appointments. I mean, every Sunday you should be inviting somebody to church. This is God's house. This is where you need to be. This is who you need to talk to. This is where you have fellowship with the saints. This is where you should get your encouragement. Thank you, Lord. This is where you all get an opportunity to lift your voices and lift your hands to a holy God and praise his name. This is the opportunity you have to talk and share with your brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to gather. We are given spiritual gifts as the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And they're all different. And as some of you may be saying, what does this have to do with Resurrection Sunday? What has everything to do with Resurrection Sunday? Because I live. You will live also. And we know he lives. He walked out of that tomb. Can you imagine being, I think they said they tapped Mary. Magdalene was the first one to recognize him. Can you imagine that? You're walking down the road and get this little tap on your shoulder. Hey, what's up? (laughs) And you were just at the tomb. You looked. 
right then it's the big one, Elizabeth. <laughs> Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, believe it or not, Jesus loves me too. So knowing this, you should be able to understand Romans 6, 6, when it says, knowing this, that your old man was crucified yep. within, yep. that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be a slave to sin. Amen. Those shackles should be broken. Those chains should be gone. Amen. And if they're not, it's nobody's fault but your own. If you're still dealing with sin, it's nobody's fault but your own. Paul end the second letter of Corinthians. He says this way. He's writing to the Corinthian church. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Why does he bring up that? Why does he say the communion with the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit gives us power to do the right thing. Amen. Remember, it's that battle between our spirit and our flesh. Yes. But we have the Holy Spirit, and it's telling us to do the right thing. Amen. So if we're not doing the right thing, our flesh is winning that battle. The Holy Spirit is where we find forgiveness. It's where we find reconciliation. The Holy Spirit is where we find love and encouragement. The world's not going to encourage you. It's going to step on you, stomp on you, and beat you up. And you that spend time working in the world, you know that. Some of you have got bosses. You just need to slap silly. I mean, in the name of Jesus, just tell them, look, I've had enough of this. You can't ride herd over me no more. I mean, I've had bosses like that. They love to ride herd on you. They like to put the shackles on you. I mean, it's like a ball and chain. Christ says, no, those are gone. I break the chains of sin. But let the Holy Spirit figure out a way to break those chains yes, from those employers that are binding you up. Yes, Especially in today's age, they have to treat you right. You can declare religious exemption, and they have to let those things go. The Church of Corinth was a very troubled church. It was very, very much involved with the world. Yeah. But the power that Paul had there 
was all because of the Holy Spirit. And the power you have over any situation you face is if you use the Holy Spirit to handle it or you use the world to handle it. The Holy Spirit I have is a little bit more of a Peter style. You know, I'll bring out the sword and hack off his ear. Just let Jesus put it, let Jesus just put it back on. Yeah, Jesus, you fix them up, you know? Living in the eternal sense is fine. We all can rest in our security of eternal peace and eternal love. But in the physical sense, we have to we have to be able to adopt that. We have to know how to walk in the spirit in a world that doesn't recognize Jesus. Amen. We have to know how to use what the Holy Spirit gives us, how to be different, how to be in that line at Walmart when the lady in front of you is counting out 86 cents in change, one penny at a time. Two, three, four. You're going, please use a debit card. Here, here's my card. Get her out of here. I'll pay for it, I'm glad. then Jesus tells you to go over and pray with that woman. And bless her. Because it's your light that's got to shine. It's your light that has to shine. You should be able to walk into a room and people know there's something different about you. When I sold prepaid calling cards, the minute I accepted Jesus, those people in that room that I was sitting next to, they knew something was different. Amen. When I walked in that Monday, they looked and said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what's wrong with you? They knew something was different. And they should be able to tell that about each and every one of you. Amen. You should be able to walk down the halls where you work. Somebody, oh, so you're a Christian, huh? You're one of them. Uh, yeah, I'm one of them. Right. John the Baptist chattered out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And we still need to be shouting that because Jesus is coming back. Amen. Jesus is coming you better be shouting, prepare the way of the Lord. We need to carry that message to everybody that will listen. And if they won't listen, when you walk in the cafeteria at work, they can all get up and leave. You can sit down and have lunch in peace and quiet. Jesus walked out of a tomb, resurrected. And you too have the opportunity to walk out of whatever tomb you're in. Amen. Resurrected with a new life. Yes, Lord. And a whole new opportunity. Yes, 
You have the spirit of truth within you. The world cannot receive it. The world cannot see it. The world cannot hear it. The world does not believe it. You must carry that message yourself. And sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes it's devastating. Sometimes it's very, very difficult. Because you're getting abused from one end to the other. But the Holy Spirit is there. He will never leave you. And neither will Jesus. Because Jesus says, because I live, you will live also. Jesus says, who keeps my commandments, he loves me. You love Jesus, keep his commandments. There's no middle road. Well, I can keep commit all the odd number commandments, like one, three, five, seven, nine, that one's. You can keep the even numbers, two, four, six, eight, and so on. It's not what Jesus said. He said, you keep them all. Every single one of them. And that requires reconciliation. That requires a change. That requires you being crucified. That requires you going into that tomb and walking out with Jesus new, fresh, anointed, and full of the Holy Ghost. The spirit of truth dwells within you. Get to know him, get to love him. Let me close with this from 2 Corinthians. Chapter 5, and you all know verse 17, but verse 16 says, from now on, therefore, from now on, from this moment forward, nothing else changed. Yesterday's gone. You can't relive it. You can't change it. You can't even change what I said 30 seconds ago. I can edit it, but you can't change it. So he said, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we will know him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means Jesus has given you all a mission and all a ministry you are now all missionaries Amen. to the community that you have. Amen. And you need to reconcile everybody to Christ Amen. that you can. Because if you don't, they're going to hell. Period. So it's your choice. Am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? Are my friends going to heaven or are they going to hell? My co-workers going to heaven or my co-workers going to hell? 
My neighbor's going to heaven or my neighbor's going to hell. It's all new. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses. But he has committed the world to reconciliation. Jesus died on that cross for every single human being. Every single one. But we are to carry the word of Christ. The love of Jesus. The forgiveness. And everything else that Christ instilled in us including the Holy Spirit to everyone we can. Amen? Let's stand. I mean, do you feel this morning 